Uh, end of the year, last day of the year. That's kind of, it it's fun to be together. Uh, end of the year, there's always all those, you know, the end of the year lists. There's like the best of, worst of, best restaurants, best books, best movies, worst movies. My favorite, I like the, the I, I like, I love listening to music, so I like the best album review of the year kind of thing. So I have, I've been not feeling great this week, so yesterday I actually spent a couple hours at home just I had my headphones on and I was listening to or, or uh, reading best albums of the year and then ones that I was not familiar with, I'd go sample them and listen to them. That was a lot of fun. Um, this year, 2017, uh, you know, it's, I think, been an interesting year. Everybody would agree with that. Uh, difficult year, I think, in some ways. I've seen a lot of, of different posts and things, people saying, you know, I'm glad this year is over. I'm looking forward to moving on to next year, stuff like that. This was one of my favorites. I I, uh, saw this the other day. If 2017 was a person, it's that guy. Uh, And uh, he looks like he's had a rough go. He's had a long year. But uh, anyway, I don't know. Uh, I'll get rid of him so you don't have to stare at him for a while. Uh, This morning, what I want to do today is take a few minutes, and we won't take a long time, uh, what I would like to do is actually do a little bit of a year-end review with you and just talk a little bit about where we are as a church and where we're going. And so I'm going to give a disclaimer up front and say I'm not going to teach today. There will not be uh, a lesson from the Bible. And so don't go home and put on your, your uh, don't post something that says that we don't even teach the Bible here. Uh, we're very deeply committed to teaching the Bible. Uh, but this morning, if it's okay with you, I'm going to take one day off and just share a little bit about where we're at as a church. Is that Okay. Do I have approval? Good, because if we don't, I have nothing else. So um, let's pray. How about that? Jesus, thanks so much again. You're so good to us. I just uh, am just still touched by our worship time this morning and uh, the overwhelming sense of your love for us and how good it is to be loved by God. And in the midst of whatever else might be going on, to know that we can cling to that, that we have that, whatever else happens. Uh, you love us, and so we ask that you would just be with us this morning and help us to uh, start this new year in uh, the fullness of your presence and to move forward, Lord God, in a way that is glorifying and honoring to you and edifying to your people. In your name, amen. Uh, so, so many of you, I, I, and I'm going to preface with this, I think, most of you are probably aware that we, we meet here at Christ the King by necessity, not by choice. And I bring that up for a couple reasons. One is you may not know that. You, you may be fairly new with us and just think, well, this is a decision we made to do this. It's a fairly common uh, practice today. Uh, there, there are more and more churches co-opting space, meeting together, doing different creative things to... to uh, to minimize their cash flow for things like facilities and maximize uh, their resource they have then to do other things. But for us, it, it was really the result of, uh, you know, necessity. We are here and have been here for a number of years now because it's really the, the best space, the most functional space that we can afford. Uh, Christ the King has been incredibly gracious and allows us to meet here at a rate that would be quite a bit below really what, you know, kind of the market rate would be or what you might pay for a space like this elsewhere. And so we have from time to time looked around 
to see what else might be available, but in this, in this price range, the answer is nothing. Uh, nothing is available. So, with that in mind, we are, we are incredibly grateful. I, I want to make sure that I, I say that, and I have said that before, and we'll always uh, continue to, to... I want everyone to know that our friends at Christ the King, I think, have made an incredible uh, kingdom-minded sacrifice to allow us to be here with them. They, they have actually they've changed their service time, and they, they make different concessions for us all the time, and we are incredibly blessed by their hospitality uh, I, I, I'm going to talk about, next week we're going to start a new series on uh, the other gifts, it's called, and it'll be on some of the gifts of the Spirit that aren't the kind of classic gifts of the Spirit. And one of those is the gift of hospitality. And I really believe the gift of hospitality is one of the most kingdom-centric gifts there is of all. And they have expressed uh, that gift of hospitality to us in a tremendous, tremendous way. So we're thankful for that. I also am aware of this, that the church... The, the, the Greek word in the New Testament uh, for church is ekklesia. And when you, re, when you look that word up, if you do a Greek word study and you, you search every time that word comes up in the New Testament, and you read those verses, uh, it is 100% every one of those verses in reference to people, never place. And so I am fully aware that this is the church that this is the church. This building is not the church. This is the church. We are the church. John Wimber used to talk about the church gathered and the church scattered. And when we come together, we're together, and we worship together, and there's purpose, and there's value, and meaning in being together. But we, we you know, our, our colloquial kind of phraseology or whatever, we say we go to church. But the reality is when we leave here and we go out, we're still the church. We're no less the church when we're out there than when we're in here. So we are the church. No matter whether we're together or separate, no matter whether we're, we're here or in homes or wherever we might be, we are the church. So uh, that said, we, we also believe, we being, and I'm going to talk a lot about kind of our leadership team this morning, and I'm going to uh, identify those people to you, uh, really wanted to, to be in a place where we're transparent and we're open and we're accountable and also uh, just, you know, on the same page and want everybody to kind of know where things are and how, th- how things are going. Uh, so our leadership team believes that we have a specific mission and purpose a, as a church. That there's a, we talk about sometimes the missio dei, the mission of God, and God has a big picture plan for the world. And, and all churches, hopefully, are engaged in that plan in some capacity. But there are specific outworkings of it that are different from church to church. We're not all called to do that thing in the same way. And we believe that there's a specific mission, a specific purpose, and I would say a specific identity that God's given us as one section, one little tiny portion of his church that, that could be better fulfilled and better met if we were in our own space. So that's something that we ultimately are working towards together, uh, that we're consciously uh, aware of and thinking about as the opportunity to have a space like that. Uh, there, there's a tension, and I'm going to talk about tension a few times this morning. Uh, I think it's a kingdom dynamic, and I think it's, it's God's purpose that we live in, in this tension uh, because it keeps us honest. It keeps us before him and seeking him. If we weren't in, if it were easy, I think we can slide into this thing of just sort of going through the routine, going through the motions. But the tension is this. We don't ever want the building to become the focus. 
And we don't ever want to, to have put where we meet and our facility above what God wants to do in us and with us and through us. Uh, but at the same time, we realize that facility is a resource and a vehicle for accomplishing those things that God wants us to do. And so there's a little bit of tension in kind of keeping those things in check. And, and we're conscious of that. And as we pursue God's call and purpose on our lives, that wants to be first and foremost. And then subordinate to that is, is there a place that we can better fulfill those things? Does that make sense? Okay. So with that as a backdrop, uh, this past year, 2017, our leadership team has spent a considerable amount of time and energy evaluating where we are as a church. How are we doing? How are things going? You know, uh, John, again, John, when we used to talk about, you know, are you are you scoring? He said, "There's imaginary basketball, and if you're if you're if it's an imaginary court, and you dribble down, and you can make every three pointer, and you can make every shot, and it looks good. But when you put a real hoop up there, how are you actually doing? Are you hitting the basket? And so we wanted to kind of do that. And I'll, I'll be honest, that's been a a very good and at times very challenging process. It's caused us to really reflect on some things and to evaluate the, the fact that maybe we weren't doing so great in some things. Um, and, and so I would say, again, challenging but good, a good process. So I want to share with you a little bit, first of all, one of the outcomes of that is that we have redefined and kind of restructured how our, our leadership here in this fellowship works. I'm going to skip past Mr. Macy there again. Uh, so, so this is our, uh, our leadership structure here. There's four circles. The circles represent... Can, can you see it Okay. I wish those print was in white. Um, the circles represent uh, different groups of people within our leadership, and then the boxes uh, explain what they do. And if, I don't know if you can read them or not, but I'll read them to you so you can tell. But senior pastor, that's me over here on the side. Vineyard is a, has an ecclesiology, a church structure that the, the senior pastor is really the primary vision caster, uh, really uh, is the primary person who determines the direction of the church. Uh, and so uh, in the little box above that uh, circle, it says vision caster, primary teacher, and leadership development. In a, in a, th- th- those would be the things that ideally, in a perfect world, the senior pastor here at this church would, would be involved in. Um, casting vision, teaching, and developing new leaders. Now, in the life of our church today, uh, I do a lot of other things. Uh, and that's because... We don't have enough people to fill those roles. And that's the way it is, not only here, but really uh, in most small churches. I was with uh, our area, Vineyard Area guys, the other day together, and most of the vineyards in the area are smaller. And we were kind of commiserating together over the reality that a good percentage of our time and energy goes to things that we probably would not be doing if there was someone else to do them so that we could give more time and energy to those things that we would want to do, but... That's just the way it is, and that's the way it is. And I'm not complaining about that. I think it's a reality, and it's life, and it's the way it is. But in a perfect world, those are the things that the senior pastor would give his time and energy to in our particular form of church government. However, that does not mean that you have unfettered power and authority and can make decisions on your own. And so there's three other circles there, the church board, the church staff, and the leadership team which uh, if you look at the top one, the church board, there are arrows pointing both directions. Uh, That means that there's input going both ways. And the church board, uh, uh, underneath that says two-year renewable term. Our board uh, commits to a two-year term. Most of them will recommit and stay on longer than that. 
Uh, but from time to time, somebody will say, hey, I need to take time out and step back from that. And then it says wise counselors. That's their primary role. Is The, bo- the church board are elders. Uh, probably in a, in a more classic system would be the elders of the church in some capacity. Uh, they, are, they are people that have insight, have giftedness, have wisdom, uh, have experience, and can really speak into direction and help uh, help formulate vision and and put sort of energy and direction into vision. So it says uh, next to that or below that they provide structure, keep vision true, while fueling vision through financial implementation and accountability. <laughs> so we're going to talk about money a little bit today. But decisions cost money, right? Everybody would know that? Your home, if you, if you have a family, <coughs> do decisions cost you money? <coughs> Let's go out to dinner. That's a decision. It costs you money. It's a small amount of money. You might not put a lot of energy into that decision. Uh, you just don't feel like cooking, so you go. Let's buy a new car. Now, that's a bigger decision. That costs a lot more money. You might put some more time and effort into that decision. So the same is true with the church board. We would make decisions together uh, and look at, okay, so sometimes we say, well, we can't afford that, so how can we get from here to where we need to be to afford that? So that's the kind of thing we're talking about there. That group of people meets four times a year, quarterly, but we have provisions in our church bylaws which state that we can call an emergency meeting at any time we want and or we could vote over an issue if something were to come up electronically uh, in a short amount of time, however long it would take to send an email and have everybody respond back, so maybe within a day, uh, in, in the event that there was some emergency or crisis that we had to do. And my point in sharing that is simply that those decisions, that kind of decision-making does not rest on me alone, and that I deeply value the input of our, of our church board and the, the way that uh, we are able to, and have been, over, again, over this past year, uh, formalizing that group and really getting to a place where we're functioning quite well in terms of being able to really challenge and, and think through stuff together. Uh, the second circle below that, and I'm going to go, th- I'm, our next uh, slide is, I'll identify who all these people are so you know who I'm talking about. Uh, next, the next circle below that is church staff, which is a little bit of a misnomer <coughs> because typically the staff would be paid staff. Our staff is, uh, almost everyone is either volunteer and or paid a, a stipend. I was thinking about it this morning. If you took the amount of hours that the people on staff put in every month and divided it out by what they're paid, they would probably all be below minimum wage. In fact, they would be. Uh, so, so it's a little bit of a misnomer, but that's basically our pastoral team, and that includes... Uh, myself, our executive pastor, youth and worship leader, uh, our church administrator. And from time to time, other people will sit in on that meeting, but that's basically who that involves. That group meets every week, and they provide oversight and implementation of vision through equipping and releasing. So the, the role there is to, so in other words, uh, the worship leader, worship admin person, has oversight of worship, but doesn't do all that, right? There's other people that are, so, you, so you're recruiting and you're, you're, you're helping formalize, and that would be true in every area of ministry. You're, you're getting other people to be involved in the process with you. That's what the staff does. Every week we review what we've been doing, 
We talked about our previous service. What were the celebrations and wins? What went good? Uh, what was it? What didn't go good? Did, was there anything we should get better on or that we don't want to do again? We talked about that. And then we also look at the calendar, plan what's coming ahead, and we pray for the week and for this, the, uh, the church. <coughs> Sorry about my throat today. Uh, and then the bottom group is leadership team, and that's a larger group that meets once a month. <coughs> and, and what happens with that group is that they carry out vision in week-to-week church life. We meet monthly, uh, and, and, that, and that meeting has dual focus. Part of it is training and equipping and releasing ministry to others. Part of it is really building community. It's fellowship, worship. We had probably one of our best meetings of the year a couple weeks ago, and we actually didn't do anything but eat and talk, and we went over to, uh, oh, you're the best, went over to Wally and Darlene's house and hung out and had a wonderful dinner and just uh, chatted and just talked and, and shared, and so that was, that was a, a great time. So we're, we're building community that hopefully then is transferred out beyond there. So just so you know, and again, I, I want us to be... Um, transparent. I want us to be honest and open. I want you to know who's involved in decision-making in the life of our church. So our board is myself as the president. Uh, most of you guys know Dave. Dave, Dave, raise your hand. Dave Murray is our treasurer. Dave is somebody who has been involved in business and uh, finance for a long time. <laughs> Dave, Dave's old. <laughs> uh, he has a certain, certain skill set, a certain gift mix that lends to that role. So he functions as our treasurer. Darlene, you guys all know Darlene as our church secretary, uh, which basically she's a board member. Secretary means that she takes the minutes of the meeting and keeps the rest of us uh, on task. And then we have two board members at large that do not have uh, positions specific, and those are Kevin. You guys know Kevin McVicker and Brogan Marcotte. Raise your hand, Brogan. You guys know who Brogan is? And then you'll notice at the bottom, it says Steve Fish 2018 ex officio. What does that mean? Uh, A lot of you know Steve. Steve is the uh, now retired pastor of the Vancouver Vineyard. And we as a group asked Steve if he would spend the next year sitting in with us. Steve has been in ministry for over 45 years, I think. He's really old and has been, uh, started numerous churches, been on the board of probably a half a dozen or so different nonprofits and NGOs, and just has a tremendous uh, breadth of wisdom and experience. So we just said, hey, Steve, would you sit in with us for a year and just help us out? Just, just speak into what we're doing. So Steve's role, it says ex officio, which means this. He doesn't vote. The, the other five of us are all voting members, and so when we make a decision, we have to vote on that decision. We vote. Steve doesn't have a vote, but he does have a say-so, okay? So he's just there as a counselor to give input. That's our church board. Uh, our staff is myself as lead pastor. Kevin is our executive pastor. Tucker is our youth pastor and worship director. And I'll, I'll uh, qualify that for a second. Why? What's the distinction between those two things? Tucker and I have talked a lot about it. You may have noticed the worship team are all friends. They're, most of them hang out together. They're peers. 
and we have felt as though, in terms of a pastoral role, because of their peer relationship, it's probably not as effective for Tucker to be their pastor. So I'm, I really take that role of pastoring with them. Uh, but he's the director. I don't make, I don't set the schedule or tell him what to do. That he does that because I don't want to do that. That's how that works. But with the youth, it's a different capacity. Tuck has a very uh, a pastoral call in his life and an ability to, to pastor effectively in that environment. So that's the differentiation there. And then also Donna is our children's ministry pastor and Darlene is our church administrator. Our leadership team that meets monthly is everybody above all those people as well as other ministry leaders. And this group is probably the most fluid because it will be added to and changed all the time, but it would include people like John and Bubba who are the men's ministry leaders, Holly is outreach person, David and Daphne who are small group leaders, Cindy, who helps uh, organize our ministry team and helps Darlene with women's ministry. Emma Shea, who helps with prayer. And then from time to time, like I said, that would be fluid. So that's who the people are that basically are determining vision, setting direction for the church, implementing that direction, then recruiting and and helping uh, facilitate that ministry going forward. And I would think, I could speak for everyone on that list, that any one of them would be more than happy to have you ask questions, talk to them anytime about whatever's happening that you might want to know about in the life of the church. Um, so, so as part of our process of sort of restructuring our uh, leadership this year, we also asked our leadership team to make a commitment uh, to being a leader here. What does it mean if you're a leader in this church? And so I'm going to actually go over the commitment that they all agreed to follow so that you understand what that looks like as well. The next four slides are actually one, a, one, a single-page document, but it didn't fit well on one page, so I broke it down by sections. But the beginning of it says leadership commitment at PVC, January 2017. Leadership is influence. It's kind of the tagline. So we believe that as leaders, uh, you influence others to follow, right? If You know, Somebody said, if, if you want to know if you're a leader, just look behind you. If there's nobody there, you're probably not a leader. So uh, lead, leading is influencing people. It's, it's, it's helping move people in a direction. That's what we are hoping to do as a leadership team. And there's an ABC to commitment here. One is to attend weekly Sunday service. Um, I realize this, that life is full. Life is busy. And a lot of people have a lot going on, and not everybody is here all the time. And, and for some of us, some people work uh, jobs that would require you to be away on the weekend. Some of you have other commitments. There's uh, family commitments, youth sports, stuff like that, lots of things that might pull you off. If you're a leader here, though, doesn't mean you have to be here every single week, but it does mean that you're here regularly, that you're here most of the time, that this is a priority. So you would attend weekly service. B, belong to a small group. If you're not in a group right now today, the reality is you're committed to being in one at some point in time, past or present or both, and that we're asking our leadership to commit to the process of growth in Christ, and we realize that that happens in an environment largely beyond what happens on Sunday morning. And then C, the C there, is contribute by faithful service and regular sacrificial giving to PVC. And you'll notice, and it's on the document, I give my permission to the pastors to check my giving record. We believe, too, that there is a biblical standard of sacrificial giving, and we'll talk about that a little bit more in a minute, but our leadership team is asked to contribute, to be a part of um, 
taking care of that part of what we do as well. And then the, there are three aspects of commitment outlined in the document. Commit to teamwork. Uh, we want to do our best, and we are trying to improve uh, the way in which we make decisions and move forward together rather than unilaterally or independently. Um, the best illustration I can think of, I heard somebody talk about a team of horses. If they're all pulling the same direction, you're, you're, you're moving forward. But if they're going different directions, you're actually, it, it's counterproductive. You're, you're pulling against each other. So we want to be moving the same direction, and we're committed to working as a team together. So what does that look like? Follow and support the beliefs, values, visions, and leadership of this church. Abide by the leadership commitment and guidelines for my area of ministry. Uh, there might be different standard or different requirement. It it's, might be a different requirement to be on the worship team than to be a children's ministry person. So whatever it is for your area, <laughs> that you would be committed to that area. Um, participate in leadership gatherings, all church events. Be responsive. Positive talk. Uh, watch each other's backs by pouring water on fires, not fuel. I will discourage negativity, encourage uplifting conversation, both live and online. When I experience someone talking negatively about other individuals or about the church, I will lovingly confront them and encourage them to talk to the person directly. This is a commitment we've asked our leadership team to make to help work together, to do that. It's important. Um, I'll give you an example, you know, just because it's not a real example. I'm going to make it up. But let's just say I go to lunch with Kevin one day, and we're having lunch, and Kevin says... Man, I'm really disappointed in Dave. Dave's bugging me. He's not getting stuff done. He's not doing what he said he would do. I wish he would, you know, get things done. I could do a couple things. I could say, you're right, man. That Dave, he really does do that. I wish he would pick it up. Or I could say, gosh, Kevin, I can tell you're frustrated by that, but I think probably what you better do is, is you know, sit down and talk to Dave about that. That's, that's what we want to do. And, and that didn't really happen. We love Dave, and obviously I use that because it's kind of funny. Um, but... Nobody laughed, though. But the point is that redirect people back to where the problem they might have is and work together rather than do things that will tear apart. So that's a commitment that we've made and asked our leadership team to make together. Commitment to caring for people. Look, we're a church. That's what we do, right? That's what it's about. So we want to be people that are caring, that are otherly focused, that are... uh, uh, Talk about confidentiality just for a second. Remain confidential when entrusted with privileged information unless doing so causes harm. Confidentiality is an important dynamic in any setting, really. So whether it's in a small group or in some other context, if somebody shares something that's understood up front to be confidential, the boundaries of that, there are boundaries to confidentiality, if, if somebody comes to me or to anybody in our leadership team and says, hey, we're really struggling financially, so I've made a plan. I'm going to rob the Wells Fargo Bank in Tualatin Friday uh, and steal money so that we can pay some bills. We're not going to keep that confidential. We're going to have to talk to somebody about that. So if there's something that's illegal or potentially harmful to their self or to others, that's where confidentiality is broken down, and we have to be honest and, and get the person the help they need. So that's, again, maybe a funny little illustration. But Develop and nurture relationships. T- give time to those we shepherd, even sacrificially. Sometimes uh, <laughs> being in ministry is a sacrifice, and you want to 
just stay home. <laughs> you know, uh, I don't want to do that today. But we do that today. We go and we, we spend time with people that need time with them, time spent with them. We pray, we reach out, we care, uh, and we empower others. That's the commitment to caring for people. And then the last page of that is commit to cultivate character. We believe there is a biblical standard for leadership. It's, it's, it's uh, outlined in a number of Paul's letters uh, at different places, and we would like to see those that are in leadership in our church uphold that standard. And so that involves cultivating my inner life, intimate growing relationship with Jesus. Uh, that, that could be uh, your prayer life, personal worship, your own Bible study, Bible reading, uh, that can take different forms. And again, that's not like a, we're not saying you have to spend so many hours in prayer a week or what that looks like. That's self-determined, but we want to make sure that you're, that you're in process of cultivating that. Cultivate my outer life by living a life that is above reproach and serves as a model. We want to, we want to exemplify who Jesus is to other people. Cultivate accountable relationships with others where I am open and honest about my struggles and sins. And then finally, I understand that the responsibility falls on me to personally cultivate character in my life and that no one can do this for me. Uh, That's the bottom line. No one is ever more accountable than they want to be. That's just how how it is. You are never more accountable than you want to be. Uh, And so that's on you. Furthermore, if I find myself in a place where I'm struggling with sin or have a collapsing character, I will come to my coach, pastor, mentor, small group leader, whoever that might be, to confess and follow their direction into a path for freedom, healing, and restoration. I also understand that in some situations, I may not be allowed to continue in a role of leadership for a season or possibly permanently, and the people who I influence may be informed of my sin if the pastoral team deems it necessary. I can also understand that the goal of the pastoral team is to both caringly shepherd the church and bring healing to my life. That's just a, a commitment that we have. This has been an issue for us at different times in the past where uh, there's been a, a, a differentiation and understanding of what that means and looks like and how that works. But I, I want to say today the commitment is if somebody in our leadership team is struggling, our goal is not only to make uh, a safe and healthy environment for the church, but to help do all we possibly can to support and encourage and help that person along the way. That's how it works, okay? That's how it works. It's not, we don't just throw that person by the wayside and say, hey, too bad, so sad, you're out. No, we, we want to help encourage and support and bring them along to the best of our ability. All right, uh, so that's kind of what our leadership structure looks like currently. Uh, moving forward, we have talked also about some direction and goals and things that we want to see hopefully happen this coming year. So in 2018, oh man, I'm going to go really fast. We are going to work on a few things. One is to make our Sunday service the best it can be. Uh, we, we have, Sunday service is, we, we refer to it sometimes as our front door, meaning it's where most people will first encounter us as a church. Most people are not going to go to a small group or a Bible study first. That, that could happen. I'm not saying it's out of the question, but predominantly most people will come here first. This is where they'll make our, for their first contact. And we want this, to, we want to put our best foot forward. We want this to be as good as it can possibly be so that when people come in, they see the best that we have to offer. Um, there's also a tension in that a little bit, and that is that we don't ever want to be so focused on making everything right 
that we squeeze the presence of God out of that, okay? And some churches, I don't want to be critical or judgmental, but they are very focused on making it right, and frankly, it's very right. It goes good, and, and things are timed to the minute. And, you know, worship is exactly 17 minutes long every Sunday. You do three songs, 17 minutes. Announcements take 30 seconds. This person's up, they're down. The lights come up, lights go down. Everything runs very perfectly. But sometimes in, in the desire to get it right, you squeeze God out a little bit. Is that fair to say? So we want to try to find a balance and walk in that tension between not squeezing God out and leaving room for the Spirit of God to move because that's a value to us as a church, but also not being sloppy and, and disjointed and doing the best that we can do. So uh, Sunday mornings uh, are important, and we are going to be working on uh, improving what we do here on Sunday morning over this next year. And I'll, I will give you a little teaser today. Uh, we're we're going to have some changes to what happens in the course of our service and what things look like and how it goes in here. So just keep your eyes open. Neener, neener. That's all I'm going to say about that. Second thing is develop and implement an assimilation process. Assimilation is just follow-up. Uh, the consensus has been, as we have kind of done some evaluation, that by and large, uh, on first contact, we are, we're pretty friendly. We do, we're okay. When somebody comes in the front door here for the very first time, uh, and I watch you know, this and kind of monitor a little bit, they are going to be greeted and welcomed uh, fairly well. They'll be met outside the door by Wally. He's out there every week. He's kind of like the Walmart greeter. He's just always there being, being kind. Uh, and then once they come inside, they'll be handed a bulletin and greeted officially. That's unofficial, by the way. That's just a bonus greeting. Come in, and they'll be greeted by somebody in the back that's a greeter, and they might give them some information and direct them to where the kids go or where the bathrooms are or that kind of thing. And then chances are good, almost inevitably, they will be welcomed and greeted by probably two or three other people during the course of the morning. Somebody will go over and say, hey, I, you're new. i never seen you before. How, you know, what's your name? And talk to them. We're pretty good at that. What we want to get better at is follow up from there. What happens after that fact? And, and historically, we've had a couple things that we've tried to do, not done incredibly well, to be honest. And that falls partially to me, at least, uh, to, to get better at that. But we're going to work on developing a process to make sure that we do everything we can to make sure people feel uh, welcomed and, and blessed and loved and honored to be here with us in the follow-up of that. So those are our two primary goals for this coming year that we want to work on. And hopefully uh, you'll see that, and that'll be visible, and people will understand that. There's a couple other things that we want to do in addition to that. One is launch new small groups. This is really kind of an ongoing goal. It's always there. Uh, small groups are really a place of – the primary vehicle for discipleship in our church is small groups uh, – place to grow, place to connect. Uh, so we are going to, we're always wanting to, to cultivate new small groups. And so we will do that this year as well. And then the last thing is launch an equipping vehicle. What does that mean? Um, th- this is something else that is sort of a personal thing for me. Uh, equipping the saints, uh, preparing people for life, uh, kingdom living, kingdom ministry is a high value in the vineyard. And it's something that I'm personally committed to. So I've been developing a series of uh, a course material called uh, Equipping for Kingdom Living. And basically we want to establish a series of courses that will run throughout the year, probably on Thursday nights here in the youth room, that will deal with different aspects of ministry and kingdom life. And so we've done that in the past. 
more sporadically, but hopefully this year we'll get to where that is. won't be all the time, but like different quarters and segments like a school would run through the course of the year to, uh, to do that. So th- those are the four things that we'll work on uh, this coming year. Last thing I'm gonna, we're going to go over a little bit today. Sorry. Uh, I just want to talk for two minutes about money a little bit. Um, we don't talk about money very often here. And I don't ever want us to be, uh, that to be a stumbling block. Um, people say, you know, well, at church, all they ever talk about is money. Well, I don't want to, anybody say that. All they ever talk about is money. But sometimes it's, it's part of life. It's, it's a reality. The truth is this, whether we like it or not, we don't have to like it, but everything backs up to money. So ministry takes money. Place to meet takes money. Staffing takes money. It all, it all costs money. That's just a reality. Like I said, we don't have to like that. I wish it weren't true, but it is. Um, so in our leadership commitment, you saw earlier that there's an expectation on our leaders to commit to giving to our church and supporting our church financially. That's because we believe there's a biblical standard, a biblical precedent for that. In the same way the Bible calls leaders to have character that's Christ-like, it also calls them to give and support the church. And we also believe that that is a part of Christian living, that as we grow in Christ, as we mature in Christ, that an exercise of our faith, a sign of Christian maturity, uh, is the ability to give and support the church financially. Another little thing John Wimber used to say, and it sounds almost crass, but it's really true, is he would say, if you want to know where someone's heart is, just look at their wallet. And what he meant by that is, where does their money go? What do they give their money to? If they, give their, you know, if they spend all their money on themselves, that's probably where their heart is. If they spend their money on you know, entertainment, that's where their heart is. If they give to things that are closer to God's heart and to the kingdom, then that's where their heart is as well. So, we have an expectation that the, the, the Bible teaches that as followers of Christ, as we grow and mature in our faith in Him, that we give generously, sacrificially, and joyfully. It, it, should be a, it should be a blessing and a joy to give. And so our expectation is that as we come together and grow and move forward as a church, that we would grow in that as well. I would encourage all of you uh, to prayerfully just consider where you're at in that process. I'll share, I'm going to go two minutes longer over. I'll just share our story with you because, uh, to me, what, you know, Donna and I are fairly indicative of most people. We got married. Uh, when we got married, I, I was a gardener. I owned a, a gardening business, small business, but it was fairly successful, and we made a good income. It was, it was fun. And then about two years after uh, I got married. We got married. Uh, I had been involved in ministry at, at, at our church and was asked to come on as an intern, and then about six months after that to come on full time. At the same time, about two and a half years into our marriage, our first daughter Jordan was born. So you, all of you know, a lot of you guys are at that age. You're having kids, right? What happens when you have a kid? Your expenses go up, right? Cost money to have babies. It just does. That's what it does. So. We had uh, uh, more expenses because of our first child. We were asked to take a position on staff, prayed about it, felt as though that was the right thing for us to do at that time. 
really believed God was calling us, so we made a commitment to do it. But what it meant <laughs> was a significant reduction in my income. And to be honest, and I'm, I'm going to share this just because I just full disclosure, it, it meant about a 50% cut in income. I had to take about a 50% cut in pay. I was making more money. I, I was actually originally planning to be a teacher, a high school English teacher. That was my goal in life. I started mowing lawns to get through college. I was going to college mowing lawns, and I realized one day that I'd made more money than most high school English teachers. And I said to myself, what's wrong with this picture? And I decided that mowing lawns wasn't so bad. And so when I went on staff at church, it was a different dynamic. It was a different decision because it was based on God's call, which we willingly did, but it did mean a 50% cut in my pay overnight with a new baby in the house. And so... Giving was at the point of the story is that giving was a challenge. It was never easy. And at times, we didn't give. And one of my pastors, a guy who I loved dearly and respected greatly, called me into his office one day. He goes, hey, I want to talk to you for a minute. I go, hey. He goes, you know, I I noticed that you guys are uh, pretty inconsistent in your giving. You did? Yeah. He goes, I just want to challenge you. It's, it's really, it's part of growth. It's who we are. It's what we do. It's, 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 what we, it's just part of growing up. And if you're going to be here, and you're going to be on staff, and you're going to be part of this church, that's, that's what you've got to do. So I said, okay. And I went home and told Donna. And we just said, how are we going to do this? We don't know. And we just started to give. We just started to give a little bit, by a little bit, by a little bit. So that was 33 years ago. And we have given ever since and given more and more of our income ever since and have never, ever, ever one time been without in 33 years, never once. God has never left us. We've never been homeless. We've never, never been out. Never, never, we've always made it. Sometimes it was close, but we've always made it. And so I just share that to say this. I, I would encourage each of you to consider where you're at in your life and what that might look like for you moving forward. And that was not my point to talk about just that today, but I wanted to share that story just to say that we have a tremendous amount of hope. We, again, our leadership team, an expectation for this coming year and for the future of this church. We really believe God has some amazing things for us that have not yet been accomplished. Um, and I may share more of what I think some of those things are down the road. But today, I just want to say I, we believe that God has a, a specific and unique calling for us in this area, the, in, the, in the metro area here in Portland, and we want to see those things come to pass, and we need to do that together. We want to do that together, not only in terms of finances, but in terms of just human resource and, and what you're contributing. And I believe, again, our, our leadership team has been formulated because uh, it's what I would like to call gift-based. It's because different people have different gifts, and they exercise those gifts. Some of them do things that I'm not very good at, and, and so I believe all of you have gifts that you can give that are unique. I, I've... I've said this to people before, and it's always taken kind of humorously, but I say to somebody, it's not the same when you're not here. But the reality is that I mean that 150%. It's not the same if you're not here. When you're not participating, when you're not giving what you have and being who you are, it's not the same. And I, I love the fact that we are who we are, and you are who you are. And I love the fact that we are a church in a place where people can come and feel welcome in exactly who they are today. And that there, there's a place for you. I, I don't care 
where you've come from, what your history, your background is, where you're at today, what your gifts are or what you don't know they are or anything like that, there's a place for you here today. So let's stand and, and we'll, I was going to take some time to pray, but we're way over time. So we'll go ahead and just close in prayer and go home and prepare for our big New Year's Eve festivities.